Hi and hello, Watch fans, and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show. With me, your friendly neighborhood watchmaker, Rob Nutz, my co-host, Alan Ben-Joseph, and a pair of beautiful Schofield watches on the desk before me. Today is another one of our product review shows, where we take the questions you've posed to us on Instagram, and we answer them on air in regards to specific products. Today, we have a comparison show for you for the first time. We're going to be comparing the original Schofield Signalman GMT with the latest Schofield Beta B5. Alon, how are you doing today and how excited are you for this show? Hi, buddy. I'm very excited for this show because I've been a huge fan of Schofield from the day they started. I've been admiring them from afar or actually him because Giles started off by himself. And for our dear listeners that don't know the brand or are not that familiar with the brand, I highly recommend you listening to the episode that Rob recorded with Giles, Giles Ellis, the founder of Schofield Watches. Um, I wasn't on that show and I listened to that episode from A to Z because if I am on the show, I don't actually listen to the episodes when they air. But when I'm not on the show, I actually enjoy them as a civilian. And that episode is literally my top 10 because not only is a very fascinating story how he started the brand, but he actually gives an entrepreneur's lesson 101. So it's a masterclass in entrepreneurship. And if you want to start your own watch brand, it's very interesting. I found it very cool. It, it fascinated me from day one. And these watches still fascinate me. And from the first day I've held that watch, I actually wanted one. So it's on my wish list. Uh, I enjoyed preparing for this show today. So yeah, sorry, long answer to a short question. I'm very excited, Rob. Are you excited? Yeah, I really am. I mean, everybody that knows me and knows I'm into watches knows I'm into Schofield, and I have been for many years. Giles was basically a hero of mine when he first started the company. I was still a watchmaker back then, just working at the bench, doing my apprenticeship, and then listening to his earliest foray into the podcast world while I was fixing movements similar to the ones that power his watches. But over the years, we've become friends, actually. And I'm very proud to say that. I'm very pleased to be a Schofield owner, a two-time Schofield owner now. I have the Signalman GMT, which I recently acquired uh, from my former colleague at Fratello, Thor Svabo. And I also have the Beta B4, which is the second newest of all models and the one that preceded the b5 that will be the subject of today's comparison so yeah huge fan it was a great privilege to interview giles again it's not the first time we've been on podcasts together and it certainly won't be the last in fact i've already recorded another episode for the real-time show due to the incredible response we had to the first it seems that people really took to him as a character and i would love to feature him more regularly i even considered having him on as a swing man host how do you feel about that I think that's an amazing idea. The more, the merrier, but I have him in a very high regard and, and, and a very high esteem of him because I love everything he does. His newsletters are superb. It's crazy. Yeah. Sunday, uh, did you read Sunday's newsletter? I did. I did all of it and it took me about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew 99% of what he's written there, but the way he composed that, it's almost an academic a uh, uh, brief, an academic paper. And guys, subscribe to his newsletters. It's, this guy goes deep. He's a fanatic. He's crazy as we are. He's a techie. He's, he's a design geek. It's, it's the full Monty, literally. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The effort that he puts into everything around his watches is, I always say to him, the best ambassador that anybody needs for the watches themselves. Because if you take that much time and care 
over a newsletter, a newsletter that's so good and so artistically refined that he even printed them all off and made a book out of them. I think it was 2021. He did the whole book and it was unbelievable. He sent me a copy of it and the production values are typical Giles. Basically, he makes no money on what he produces, but that's to the benefit of all of us who end up with his products in their hands because it's just it's just a joy. Like Everything he does is done with so much passion and so much dedication and clearly has his fingerprints all over it and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of focus and heartfelt enthusiasm poured into it. So that's why I wanted to do a review of his products and also bring the brand to a wider audience because it deserves it. Definitely. And, and the proof is in the pudding, as you English say, because I am smitten by his wall clock, which I believe he uh, won an award for last year. Um, and, and if you look at accessories on his website, which is schoolfieldwatchcompany.com, you'll see he made pens. And, and if you can design cool stuff besides watches, then you're a very good designer, in my humble opinion. So yeah, I'm a fan. So sorry, guys, this is not going to be such a critical episode. A disclaimer. Up front. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's partly to do with the kind of questions that we got um, from our listeners on Instagram. As usual, when it comes to these product review shows, if you've not listened to one of them before, what we do is this. We get the watching question or watchers in this case in ahead of time, a couple of weeks before we record the episode. We take a wrist shot or a few wrist shots and we post it on Instagram and ask our listeners, that's all of you, to go on there and to ask us your questions. And this time we got some pretty nice, uh, well, we always get nice questions because our listeners are a wonderful bunch, but we got some quite positive questions. I think like the people asking them for the most part are quite aware of the Schofield brand and keyed into what Giles has been doing for the last decade or so. So where should we start, Alon? I'll let you decide. Well, Rob, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a quick rundown, a quick intro. Who is Giles Ellis? Very quick. What is Schofield? Where is he? Why is it named Schofield? And why is the first watch a signal man? Very quick. Give us an elevator pitch. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I can answer all those questions in the 15 seconds that uh, it should normally take for an elevator pitch to... Stink that you're in the Burj Khalif. It's a very high skyscraper. So you have an <laughs> elevator that takes one minute instead of 15. Okay. Giles is uh, a very talented designer, actually a former tree surgeon, which I guess most people don't know about him. Are you are you pulling my leg now or are you serious? Uh, no, for real. For a real. tree surgeon? So what, he had a scalp and he would cut up trees? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A former tree surgeon. And he is a very talented designer. He lives down in Sussex where he has a store where you can go and see the Schofield watches in person. You can see the pens. You can indulge in all of the wonderful creativity that he has poured into the decoration of that store and its outfitting. Schofield was started, oh goodness, when was it now? Around 2010, 11, I think. And he started the company because he wanted to make the perfect watch for himself. And he realized during that design process that one couldn't simply make one watch, uh, not uh, any kind of, uh, uh, not in any 
kind of economic way. So he decided to make a small batch of watches, 300 pieces of the Signal Man. And this was the watch that he launched the brand of Schofield with, not entirely sure at the time whether it would become a long-term company, but simply because he was so desirous of having the perfect watch in his mind that he put a lot on the line to bring it to life. And it captured the imagination well not just the watch but also giles and his story and his uh his eloquence on the subject of watch design and all of the things that he'd been through to get to this point and his transparency was unusual for a watchmaker and i suppose he was transparent because he didn't know not to be and that's always the way he was as a person and the way he continues to be today sometimes it does great things for him as in it builds a wonderful and dedicated community people that follow him directly because they like and they trust him and they believe in him but also of course it can be difficult uh, when you exist in an environment that is often controlled by shadowy figures pulling strings behind the scenes and keeping everything under wraps you are a bit of an outlier if you are an open book like giles is so it, it has its its uh its plus points and its drawbacks that's for sure since the success of a signalman, he's had several model families, including the Daymark and the Beta series, most notably Telemark models as well. Also very fun to see. Always very fun to see online. So he's expanded the range. He's done great things. He's done, like, as Alan said, pens and wall clocks and little torches and whistles and knives and all wonderful, wonderful accessories to go along with the watch. The company of Schofield is very easy to understand when you get into it. it has a very consistent design language it runs all the way through it and every single product that it produces and today we are going to be comparing the first watch with the most recent watch because i was curious about the material differences between the two certain things that have changed about the watch's construction and where giles is now placing emphasis in design because there are some things about the signalman gmt that one could argue are quantifiably better than the later models but there are other elements that are clearly improved massively and the things that have changed aesthetically that some might regard as better or worse in, in, in the new models are very deliberate aesthetic choices made for a very specific reason, which we're going to dive into because that's the interesting thing about this comparison. It's nice to see how a brand has developed, how it's changed and how it now positions itself for its customers, both new and old. Okay, I'm up the top floor. We need to start with these questions or we're just going to be waxing lyrical about Giles for the next hour. Well done, Rob. And I wanted to say this is not a sponsored post, guys. So we are literally fans of both Giles and the brand, as you've heard till now. So we've actually got a lot of feedback on both our Instagram posts. First one I wanted to pick out of the mailbag, Rob, is from Lee Evans. Okay. He wrote, I'm not that familiar with Schofield, but what's the significance with the number 29 for limited editions. <laughs> well, it's actually quite a funny one. Um, and it's very typical Giles because of the transparency in this answer. I, I was pretty sure that I knew the answer, but I checked with him just to make sure I hadn't imagined it because it's the kind of thing that sounds a little bit, uh, what can we say, folklore-ish. You know, it sounds a bit like, oh, you just make up this kind of cute, slightly amusing justification uh, post hoc and then run with it forever. The reason is, no word of a lie, the minimum order quantity for Swiss-made dials, as these dials are, is 30 pieces. And he always holds one back for emergencies. 
like insurance claims and so on and so forth. And there's never any QC failures within this 30. You get the 30. This is 30 delivered dials. It's not 30 plus your QC, which you'd expect to be, say, 10 to 20% or something along those lines. But this is just straight up delivery, 29 pieces made available for sale, one dial held for absolute emergencies. And then every so often, I suppose it might be necessary to place a reorder. Um, but that's the honest reason. That's just getting as much as possible out of his investment in the material components themselves. So that's it. And the number stuck. And not all dials have been made in Switzerland. Some of them, in fact, some of the earlier dials for the early beaters were actually made in the UK uh, by cold enamelers, which is a pretty rare and dying art in itself. It's not quite the same as vitreous enamel that we know uh, our friends up in Anordain are famous for. They fire the enamel in a kiln and it, it melts. It's like glass. Cold enamel is a bit more like resin. It's like a normally a two-part kind of epoxy that you mix together and then you lay it onto a flat surface. In this case, in, in the old case of the old beaters onto a dial, you get some beautiful colors and just real richness out of it. It's a different process from vitreous enamel in, but has its own charms as well. And some of those old ones were actually made in Britain. So yeah, that's that's why. It's actually to do with minimum water quantities and it's very humble. <laughs> that's the truth. And and that's the beauty of both Giles and the company. No mumbo jumbo, no BS, straight up. This is what it is. And he's and he's actually very humble because if you listen to the interview also, he really shares his journey. No bullshit, no made up stories. It's raw as it is with all the failures and successes. So that's very cool. Thank you, Lee. Now we had another question from Christopher come in and he asks a very important question. Rob, how does it wear? Looks quite thick. Are there any retailers around the world, which is another question? So it's a two-part question. Yeah, this is a damn good question. This is exactly what we need to be answering on a show like this that's dedicated to Schofield Watchers because anybody that hasn't seen them in real life will probably come away with the same impression, at, at least initially. And so that needs to be addressed very transparently. So to answer the second part of the question first, yes, there is one retailer, and this is Schofield's Riverside store, which is uh, near the banks of the River Adur in, I probably said that wrong. I don't know. I don't know why I don't know how to pronounce British rivers, but there we go. Obviously been away from the country too long. It's in Sussex. It's specifically on the high street, Upper Beading, which is the name of the little town. It's very beautiful. The store is expertly appointed. You can go along there, talk to Giles, have a cup of coffee, have a look at the watches, have a look at the clocks, have a look at the pens, have a look at everything and make your decision of which product or products to walk away with in complete comfort. Okay, so that was the second part of the question. The first part of the question, like I said, is a commonly asked one. We actually got another question from Solid Case back on IG and they say, is it as thick as it looks? Wow, that looks huge. So I actually uh, went to the trouble of bringing my vernier gauge along with me so I can measure exactly live on the show the sizes of these pieces because there are a couple of things to be aware of when it comes to Schofield sizing. The first one is that the case diameter, as in the case at its widest point, is not really reflective of how it wears, okay? It is 44 millimeters across, which is pretty big, but that's at the bottom of a case that flares out towards the wrist. So the bezel diameter 
not the case diameter, but the bezel diameter up top is actually only 42 millimeters. So its visual is reduced by its proportions. So don't get too distracted by the 44 millimeter case measurements as stated on the website. Because of that bottom heavy approach, the watch wears very comfortably. It actually seems to hug into the wrist. And I've got small wrist, as I frequently remind people, it is only 16 and a half centimeters. But this watch, which has a 53 millimeter lug to lug, and this is the B5 I'm talking about, is actually very comfortable. Very comfortable indeed. Now, one of the things that is undeniably striking is the height of the watch. Now, on the wrist, it's very different from off the wrist because off the wrist, we notice that the lugs drop down below the tip of the bezel quite significantly. If you include the lugs in the height measurement, it comes out at 16 millimeters. But the watch does not stand 16 millimeters tall on the wrist. It actually only stands just 13 millimeters. So there's actually a three millimeter difference between the lug drop off and the actual thickness of the case. So it is not as tall as you'd expect for a watch of that width at the base. The result is that it's surprisingly low profile, which sounds like a complete impossibility for a watch of those dimensions. But trust me, that is actually how it comes across. The signalman, however, does seem to wear larger than the B5. And I was trying to work out why that is. And I looked at the uh, the measurement of the lugs and I quite rightly, it is a millimeter thicker. So it's 17 millimeters from the bottom of the lugs to the top. And it's slightly thicker in the case middle, um, more like 14 than 13. And the real difference is actually in the bezel height itself. So in the signalman, that bezel is almost five millimeters tall, and it's under five millimeters in the B5. And then the lower half of the case is where you get the rest of it. So Giles has made an effort to slim down these components quite significantly to improve wearability. And uh, it's, it's done a great job. It really does make a big difference. When you look at the two side by side, the B5 looks much, much slimmer. In addition to the slimming of the case middle, the lugs themselves have also re reduced in height, which is really nice. It makes the whole thing look less blockish and much more refined on the wrist. And the biggest difference between the B5 and the Signalman is the case construction. Now, the B5 has got a single piece case middle, as Schofield watches have had for quite some time now, whereas the the Signalman GMT actually has a multi-component case, which uses a case middle, a bezel, and also lugs, as well as an integrated uh, GMT pusher in the four o'clock lug. So that's a massive difference. The case now, I'd say, is you know more solid and um, definitely less complex and in that sense maybe more resilient but the original one looks far more over engineered it looks more like a very old tool the case shape and the glass profile specifically were inspired by old lamps used in lighthouses so this earlier model the signalman does evoke those inspirations much much more clearly than the later stuff uh, but yeah I personally prefer the wearing experience of the more modern models. They are slimmer, but they feel a lot slimmer than they even are. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that one. It's not as thick as it looks, and it wears even slimmer than that. 
thank you for that, Rob. Do you want to take a sip? That was a beautiful monologue. And I'm not being sarcastic here. While I was listening to you, actually, what popped into my mind, the question is, uh, how much does Giles actually do in-house? And that actually links up to Neil's question or comment on Instagram. He asked us, what's the inspiration behind the casebacks? Who did SWC work with to produce the case back? So maybe you can blend those two together, Rob. He shared a bit of how much he does and doesn't do himself on the initial interview he done with us. But for our listeners that didn't listen to that episode. Okay, yes. Yeah, so let's take the inspiration point first. The last two watches that Giles has done have featured very striking casebacks. The B4 that I own has a um, Daruma doll famed in Japanese culture, and they normally have these uh, quite scary vacant stares, like um, pupilless eyes. So these Daruma dolls, they're often like physical little toys uh, around sort of the size of an apple or so, and they are generally given as a gift to normally a child from parents, for example. And when the gift is received, both the eyes are blank. So they're both white in general. And then the new owner will select a goal that they want to aim for and paints in the left eye or puts a sticker on it. Giles did actually produce some stickers for this Daruma doll case back, which um, I don't think worked as well as he wanted. So we didn't end up sending them out with the watch, but the idea was you could fill in the eye and then once the goal is achieved, you fill in the right eye. So then you have like full sight on your future. And it's a nice little tradition and it's very cool. And the case back was inspired by this element of Japanese culture, but also more specifically by the drain covers in Japan. Now, I don't know if you visit Japan. I haven't, but I have heard of this from multiple sources that the drain covers are incredibly detailed works of art uh, cost. I think I read an article on bbc.com coincidentally about this about a week ago. And I think they're about like $900 per drain cover or something. And this is in the Japanese economy, which is a pretty stagnant economy, but they, they still make money for for drain covers, which I think is beautiful and I think is wonderful, but is maybe a little bit nonsensical and maybe indicative of why Japanese economy hasn't really advanced as much in the last 30 years as we expected it would back in the early 90s. So that's the original inspiration. Now, Giles is a massive Japanophile, shall we say. He loves the country. I think his brother might even live there, but he visits regularly and he's frequently seen in a beautifully embroidered kimono of some description. And we've teased the possibility of there being a Schofield kimono on more than one occasion because it seems absolutely up his street and I'd certainly be first in line for one of those. Although I don't think I'd look quite as sexy in it as he does. Um, so that's the inspiration. That's where it came from. Now, the B4 that I have is laser engraved. Now, the case back is laser engraved by a company in England, I believe, and they use a full bleed design. So it's actually quite clever the way that the possibility for uh, the design not being centered is built into the design process itself. So they laser onto this case back. It can be a little bit off. It doesn't even matter. Mine looks to be perfectly centered, but I guess if it weren't, I wouldn't really care because that's not the point of Schofield watches at all. The new case back, the B5 case back, you will notice is full color and it has been enameled. 
and it has been enameled by the oldest enamel pin badge maker in the UK. It was the biggest thing they've made in over a hundred years, and it's made from sterling silver, a sterling silver disc engraved with the design, and then filled in with glass enamel, and it's fired. So this is fired. This is not cold enamel. This is old school vitreous enamel, and it's colored in that way. It's fired after each color is added, and the end result is this silver medallion, which Giles then affixes to the center of a threaded case back to ensure the water resistance of the watches. And that's it. There you have it. So it's made in England. So that that is where the inspiration comes from. That's who makes them. It's the oldest enamel pin badge maker in the UK. Now, in terms of what does Giles do in-house, he doesn't do a huge amount in-house, but he has in the past taken the responsibility for case finishing himself. And that's taken a form of both surface finishing, so blasting watches himself or rubbing them down to remove machining marks which he doesn't do anymore he leaves the machining marks in the metal which i personally love you can see these very very fine regular striations in the side of the b4 case in the b5 he has blasted the surface so that those machining marks are less obvious but still visible from the right angle and most notably he force patinated the case of the b4 to make it this incredible dark brown bloomed bronze effect and also did the same with his b3 beaters which are still available there's still a couple of pieces of the b3 beater left you can get it in raw bronze so that's unpatinated and then you can get it in patinated bronze so it looks like it's been used and loved for a long time already and generally speaking the patinated stuff is more popular with giles's watches because people enjoy the fact that it has been evenly aged by him in control conditions and it adds like a protective layer to the watch so it's less likely to take on a a muddy character that isn't as attractive as the dark full bloom i have on my b4 that's right here so to answer the question inspiration japan execution oldest enamel pin maker in the uk and in terms of in-house it's generally limited to case finishing and that's about it he did say that his brother lives in japan and he's definitely japanophile and he loves cherry blossoms and which makes sense since you said he used to be a tree surgeon so that's full circle for me why he loves trees so much um so that's awesome actually it's full circle um thank you neil for those uh questions now what stood out for me on this b5 that we're reviewing is i loved the texture of the case. So when I saw the picture, it already grabbed my eye. And when I held the watch, it's actually spectacular. Bonus question from Neil, again, Rob, and I want you to take this one. He asks, what's the case finish used on the B5? I believe it's something particular to this model. And he literally read my mind, Neil. So all honor goes to him. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So As I mentioned earlier, Giles has taken to leaving machining marks in the metal. And that creates almost like a fingerprint is how he describes it effect, uh, which is really, really, really nice to witness in real life. It has an honesty to it that was exactly what he was trying to capture. He wants to celebrate the materials he's using in these designs, and that was a great way to do it. It's odd because it doesn't really make any sense to me in theory 
it only works in practice. When I think about it, I'm like, well, no, why would you leave machining marks on something that's going to look terrible? But in addition to leaving the machining marks visible, he does apply a really light blasted finish, like a frosting almost. And that gives the impression of maybe a material more like titanium rather than steel. Now, there are a couple of recent titanium models made by Schofield Watch Company, and they are the Strange Lights collection. And they are notable because they have SWC-1 engraved into the side of the cases, as well as them being made out of titanium. And they look, as you'd expect, like titanium. But this Beta B5 is actually steel, and it has this middle ground finish that includes that manages to preserve the machining marks while adding a kind of hand-applied frosting to the case. Anyway, now Neil, he wears his watch on a blasted Milanese bracelet with an engraved Schofield buckle, which is also available now from Schofield directly if you are interested in adding one of those to your collection. And that is one hell of a look. That is very unusual, really nice to see, and uh, something I haven't seen anybody else do the closest thing to it is probably actually an Omega Ploprof in titanium. And like I say, this is this is actually a steel watch. It just has that look to it. It has that real dusty surface finish, which I love. It makes it very subtle. It makes it very comfortable to wear. It makes it nice to the touch. And it's a great frame to the beautiful full color vitreous enamel medallion we have on the case back. Well done. Well explained. And it's actually cool that he leaves these milling machine marks on them. You know, the interesting thing about that is that I showed it to a friend of mine who's also in watch manufacturing the other day, and he was convinced it was 3D printed. And I was like, no, no, that's actually the milling marks. It's not 3D printed bronze or anything like that. And I, I managed to convince him eventually that I wasn't lying because of the way you see it on the lugs as the angle changes. When you look at it from the side, because everything like everything on the case is horizontal, every line is horizontal. It does look like it's sort of been layered up and layered up and layered up. But when you look at it on the lugs, you can really see, aha, okay, there has been like a drill passed over this. And it's it's so hard. So hard to explain why this is a good thing because I really believe that on paper it sounds crazy, but the effect in real life, it makes the object so tactile. You know, I always rub the edge of my Schofield watches like um, like an obsession almost, like a like a, a tick, like a habit. Like I take them off my wrist and I just sort of like run my finger along the edge of the lugs and around the edge of the bezel and just enjoy how unusually inviting the case shape is and the finishing has made it even more so i'm sorry i'm holding it i'm rubbing the watch as we're speaking as you can probably tell it's a bit bit creepy but yeah i'm, I'm totally in love with it i i'm as creepy as you are uh, i always say when you look at a watch you look with your hands you can always look with your hands besides when you're looking at another woman but watches feel it it's it's you need to feel the texture the finish of things are they sharp is it well done is the polish done well so this also has a very nice finish to it on topic um sean morris from the island of man and i think it's a mate of yours and a watchmaker as well yeah very good mate of mine very good mate so I haven't met him, but Sean um, actually concurs with, I guess, the both of us and the majority of everybody who commented. Um, he wrote on Instagram, I love the unique Schofield case shape, but it looks like it sits pretty high on the wrist. Would that hamper it being a daily practical watch? 
And then he finishes off with a comment. I'm digging that texture look on those lugs. We we actually dealt with all these comments, right? I don't know if you want to add something to it. So it seems like it sits high, but it wears very comfortably. That's what I found. And I think you said the same, Rob. Yeah, you know, uh, there is actually one added wrinkle in Sean's question that I think really is worth addressing directly. And that's would it hamper it being a daily practical watch? That's a really good question because this watch does not slide under most cuffs. Let's put it that way. You know, even the slimmer of the two, the more modern B5 with its 13 millimeter on the wrist height is pretty tall for a watch in general. It's not like crazy, crazy. It's not the sort of thing that you really need to worry about. Um, But it has got pretty straight up edges to the bezel. I mean, the bezel is, you know, uh, almost uh, square edged. So I guess that if you had it on all the time, you might catch it on doors maybe. And you'd be more likely to get a pretty solid whack on a Schofield than you would like a glancing blow. Because, you know, if you catch it because of the angles, <laughs> you might give it a good knock. Um, it's comfortable enough to wear daily. It feels robust enough to wear daily. Stylistically, I'd say my B4, the bronze, is maybe not the best choice, but the B5 with its gray, I call it blush gray, even though it's not pink. It has this, I think it's the case back makes me think it's pink and the fact it comes on the pink strap, which you can change, by the way. If you don't like the pink strap, you can have that change before you even have the watch delivered. Giles will switch out the straps for whatever you desire. I think it looks really cool, but you know, if I were going to have that as my daily watch, I'd probably put it on a black tweed or a gray tweed or something like that so that it was really neutral. That's a great daily watch because it's so neutral from a chromatic perspective. And... The cool thing that I like about my Schofields is that when you do knock them about, because they look almost like steampunk style tools, the scratches, the nicks, the blemishes all add to it. Like It looks like it's lived a life. And a Schofield is one of those few watches that kind of looks like it has experience right out of the box. You open it up and you're like, oh my God, this is like an artifact from something, some lost time, some distant past where people took a different approach to making things. Of course it's not, it's a modern watch, but Giles has managed to kind of communicate that importance of the object for celebration of the materials, for celebration of function, of its directness as a tool to track time. So there's something I would say thematically congruous about bashing this watch to hell, to taking it with you on your adventures, to scratching it on, you know, the side of your boat or, you know, on a steel ladder in a submarine or wherever the hell you are, you know, when you jump out of a plane and nick the door on the way out, you know, there's there's something about it that just kind of works. So would it hamper it, as Sean says? I suppose in in a realistic sense, yeah, maybe you would get more knocks. But is that to the detriment of the watch and the wearing experience and the relationship I would expect a Schofield owner to build with their timepiece? No, not at all. I fully advocate it as a daily wear. What's interesting, the name says it all. Some of the models are actually called beaters, right? So it was meant and designed that way. Um, Sana um, asked a question and posted her question on Instagram. And she asked, what makes this one stand out from the early, 
earlier beaters. So again, that word beater says it all. They were meant to be knocked around. And I guess with that amazing finish on the case, uh, you feel the pain less when you dent your watch for the first time. Um, but I, I'm not that familiar with the history of all the beaters and, and, and the evolution. Uh, Rob, would you mind taking this one? I've never really known, as a slight tangent here, the term beater. I actually interpret it in the same way that you do. As in, like, it's your daily knock-around watch. And knock-around is maybe like a colloquial thing that I would say growing up in Manchester, but um, I think people know what I mean. Like, you not just knock-around, but you just sort of hang around in it. Like, that's, that's the watch you live in. Like, that's what a beater is. But I once referred to a quartz watch as a regular daily beater. And somebody pulled me up on it and mentioned that they believed, well, they believed that they knew at least um, that the term beater actually comes from the balance beating. So like only a mechanical watch can be a beater. And when they say daily beater, they don't mean the watch that you would like beat around on a daily basis. They mean the watch that beats on your wrist on a daily basis. Now I always find it interesting. I never really knew where the term came from. I kind of took this guy's criticism as gospel and thought, oh right, okay, well I, I should maybe be a bit careful when I mention uh this is a beater. The Schofield beater collection is a beater any way you cut it. It's a good, robust daily wear watch and it's got a mechanical heart. But I just thought I'd mention that because I still don't really know the answer. Maybe if any of our listeners have stories about where the term beater comes from, where they first encountered it, whether they use it, whether they like it, whether they despise it. Get in touch with us. Drop us a comment on any random post you want and just mention it because of course you've been listening. We'll know we'll know you've been listening to the show. Or send us an email at either Rob at therealtime.show or Elon at therealtime.show or use the contact form on our website, which you can find at www.therealtime.show. So to Santa's question, thank you, Santa. Santa from Stockholm, um, one of our northernmost listeners. She wants to know, what makes this one stand out from the earlier beaters? Now, the really obvious answer is the case back. That's the thing. Like the use of enamel on the exterior of a Schofield watch is new. The use of full color scenes produced by England's oldest pin badge maker is new. That's really, in a technical sense, what makes it stand out. Although I will mention this, the Beta Collection, despite designed to be Schofield's daily runaround collection and the entry point, really, of the brand and also the humblest of watches that they produce because they're just time only, has had some real standouts in the past. Like Giles has used it as a experimental playground on more than one occasion that in the early days there was a a blued titanium case beater with like a sage green dial which is also such an unusual combination it was oh it was lovely to look at and there was blasted titanium there as well i think that one might have had a blue dial if memory serves they're no longer available of course they all sold out years ago but that was cool and then he was into the bronze thing before most people had cottoned on to it being a a long-standing trend in the watch industry and he had the raw versions and he had the patinated versions and then you get to my model the b4 with the force patinated he even had special editions with ceramic coatings my uh b4 has a ceramic coated buckle you can actually get the b5 in a ceramic buckle coating and also case coating uh in 
a very bright color called purple or perplex, this finish is known as. Giles's wife, Alice, has the perplex B5 on her wrist and there's a picture of it on Schofield Watch Company's Instagram, which I encourage you to seek out because that makes a watch that already stands out for all the right reasons stand out for even more reasons. And when I saw it for the first time, I said to him, you cannot make this a piece unique. You have to give people the option. That is too cool. And he, and he has he has given people the option. It wasn't my idea. He was always going to do it, but like I was just throwing my hat into the ring for the Perplex. It's amazing. So that's the answer, Santa. It's the case back primarily, but you can also get this one in a Perplex finish, which makes it absolutely jaw-dropping. I've got a question. Alan, i got a question for you, actually, because I'm monopolizing a little bit. Because as you know, Schofield is one of my favorite brands and you're doing me a great service by letting me talk at length about it. But I want to know, what's your favorite case finish? Is it one of the ceramic coated models like the Swamp Thing or the Perplex? Is it the blasted titanium? Is it the blue titanium? Is it blasted steel? Is it bronze? Is it patinated bronze? There's so many to choose from. Which ones stick out to you as the best? So people who know me know steel I always love. I don't like coatings. Um, I like the idea of bronze. But I've let go all the bronze watches that I've ever purchased. My to-go metal, if it's not platinum or gold, is titanium. So I have to go with titanium. Um, but I think it's uber cool what Giles is doing, the way he thinks, the way he experiments in his newsletter that he sent out um, last week. So that's last week when you hear this episode. He literally shares his deliberations and his doubts and his experiments and explains why he doesn't have a ceramic case yet, which is actually interesting because if somebody should have made a very dark case, it would have been him. And what I what stood out for me in that newsletter was actually the discussion about the most black color ever, right? So he actually spoke to the company that uh, made the dial with H. Moser and C. I forgot the name which was the most black ever because black absorbs all light, right? So they actually have a discussion about how much percent reflection there is on that color of black, the lacquer used on the dial. Um, so he goes very deep in, and I can only appreciate the geeking out on that fact. So for me, it's the titanium. And I like the, the, the machined finish style. I like the regulars. Now going circling back to the beater topic, which was very interesting. I was listening to you. Was that gentleman American or European that claimed that it doesn't refer to actually knocking it around? Yeah, good question. I'm pretty sure he would have been from the States. Why? Does that make a difference? I believe so, because I've picked up the term daily beater when I lived in the US. And as I learned to use that term, it literally means, hey, it's a tool and tools get knocked around. And if you use it daily, you knock around daily. So it's a daily beater. It's a watch that you take, wear, don't worry about, and have it knocked around. So this is the first time I'm hearing somebody saying, no, it refers to the beating of the movement. Because let's be realistic, a quartz movement also beats. It's just once per second. So... It's a first for me. Um, maybe we should ask Giles what he means with the term beater when he labels his watches that way. Hmm. That's an interesting question for the future. Yeah, I'm down with that. It's interesting. I don't know why I sort of rolled over so quickly when I was 
pulled up on that and just assumed I was wrong. I guess I just often assume it if somebody comes at me with like a logical suggestion or maybe in this case a slightly niche logical suggestion where I thought, well, that doesn't sound like he's made that up. And it sounds like what I thought a beta was was maybe the more obvious thing. And that's often like the thing that people adopt something to mean rather than what it actually meant in the first instance. Anyway, let's move on. Okay, Sam from Manchester. He comments more than questions. He says, love this watch. Would like to see other dial colors in this case finish. So how about you, Alan? What would you like to see? Because Schofield's got quite a wide gamut of dial colors available at the moment with some blues, some very bright reds and some bright greens and this more muted gray. What would you like to see from the brand? I love the fact that he doesn't limit himself, not by style codes, not by DNA codes, not by brand codes. The Japanese beater actually took me by surprise. I almost pulled the trigger on that watch. But as you know, I'm not a huge fan of two-tone in the classic term of case finishing. So steel and gold or different metal with gold or using stainless steel with ceramic. What put me off was the gold hands, but it works actually beautiful with that cherry blossom pink. But then that circle, that ring on the crown, and then I'm like, oof, it is a beater style watch, a daily beater. And suddenly he makes it elegant. And then I said, okay, this particular version of the B5, the Japanese one, is now for me. Although I'm not a Japanophile, but I'm a huge fan of Japan and the Japanese culture. Um, I My childhood, one of my earliest childhood friends was a Japanese boy, Takashi. And I was exposed to the Japanese culture very early on and to Japanese food. And I had sushi when I was, I don't know, four or five, where there were no Japanese or sushi places, restaurants in Amsterdam. And about the drain holes, the, the covers for the drain holes, actually, it's true. They are works of art. And for those that are familiar with Japanese culture, they take uh, art to a very high level and they make everything into art. So, I mean, just think about the cuisine. That's an easy start. That ground is one of the finest components in the whole industry. It was a game changer for me. The first Schofield I ever bought was the B4. And one of the things that really got me over the line was when they introduced that crown. I think it came out with the B3 for the first time, that crown, but that little line of gold, oh, it's heaven, absolute heaven. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. The crown is a piece of art. It's design in the purest form. Um, just me, I'm, I'm quirky. I love, for example, the seconds hand. It's short, it's quirky. Um, it's crazy, but I love it. Um I love the font on the 369. I love the fact that there is no 12 but a zero. I think that's cool. Um, I just wished he didn't dash the zero. So cross it through, if you know what I mean. It is new. I don't think any brand does it. But I like his clean lines and his DNA code. But okay, I'm deviating. To answer your question, what colors? Orange, of course. I don't think if he, he ever made orange, but as a Dutchman, I need to opt for orange, I guess. Yeah, that's a cool answer. Um, I'm sure we can do a special model uh, that at least uses some orange. You know what I'd like to see? Yeah. I thought about this recently. 
don't know where the idea came from. Oh, I'll tell you where it came from. The original Schofield logo was actually a revolver, or I think maybe even a pair of revolvers. Um, Schofield is a gun company originally. That's where Giles got the inspiration for, the name from. And I was chatting to Giles about making a special edition for the for the US market, like a real-time show special edition, just, just for a laugh. We were just chatting about it. And I had this uh, idea to do like a Jesse James inspired like version i don't know why i just imagined it would all be denim because you know he loves using like clothing materials in in the straps like we've got tweed and we've got velvet and whatnot unusual materials for straps i thought oh we could have like a denim strap and then like a denim blue ceramic case and denim blue buckle and a two-tone blue dial and a fluorescent orange second hand which is a bit like my signature as, as you know from my time at fratello and uh, that could work for the Dutch market—a nice bright orange second hand. You know why wouldn't that work? Definitely. So I am racking my brain. What Schofield should enter my personal watch collection one day? Um, but I guess I'll postpone it till I go visit him. I am often in the UK, as some of you know, my wife is from London, so I'm often in London, and I think I should book a trip south to visit him one day. So that's something that I actually look forward to. I've got one more question for you, and then maybe you've got one more for me, and then we're going to wrap it up. It's been a very full and enthusiastic show, I have to say, and we've got through quite a lot already. But question from Christopher, very simple question. Is it better than the Signalman? What do you think? I think it is. Um, I like the evolution. Um, Step by step, he's improving what he's doing. He's, I mean, he was always confident, but it seems he finds his stride and he's developing his own signature and it has more character and it deviates from what's out there in Switzerland, or even there are more and more UK brands, right? So I think Schofield really has its own character and DNA inside out and or outside in or whatever, holistically. And I love it. So I love the newer pieces. You, Rob? Yeah, I feel a bit dirty saying it in some ways, like I'm cheating on my uh, uh, longtime lover. But I suppose the word I would use in a way is refinement. And I think I'll pick up on exactly what you said to qualify exactly what I mean by that kind of refinement. And that is that he's, he's found his lane, like he's found his feet as, I mean, he always had his feet as a designer and he always had a great deal of self-confidence in what it was that he was putting out. And you can see that with the decisions that he's made, the bold ones, especially, but I mean, he's taken the essence of Schofield and distilled it down into something that is purer. Now, the reason why I feel it necessary to make that distinction is because there are a lot of things about the Signalman which are arguably better. Now, better is one of those funny words in watchmaking. Of course, it all comes down to personal preference, but let's just take the dial construction, for example. So the dial of the B4 is a relatively flat pad printed dial with two levels, one outer level and one flatter at one and one lower center level 
it is ringed by a ring of luminous material. And then that same luminous material is continued on the numbers and the markers. The Schofield Signalman GMT has an even deeper middle level. It has applied numerals and indices, loom-filled indices on the outside. It has a GMT indication between center and six o'clock that itself has a lower level for the numbers and upper level for the hand to stand against. And of course, it has a date, which is buried deep beneath this incredible dial. And so it's more complex. It's got more colors. There's a white minute track, white hour print, white word mark, but a green and red, well, bow tie logo, which is actually supposed to be the um, shaft of light, which emanates from a lighthouse, which was central to the brand's earlier watches the casebacks all featured different lighthouses in the early days something that i absolutely adore so this dial is you know in many tangible ways one would say better one could say more refined but when i say that the schofield watches have become more refined i do mean that conceptually he's managed to take away what was an unnecessary embellishment and retain the character of the early pieces in doing so and placed emphasis in different areas of the watch. So now the case middle is one piece. This is an improvement from many perspectives, mostly robustness and ease of manufacturing and complexity. Of course, the simpler something is, the more refined one could argue it is. The crown is, as I mentioned before, just a heavenly piece of art and a massive, massive improvement on a relatively basic, although incredibly tactile crown on the early Sigmund on GMT. And the casebacks have now become this secret area of expression that only Schofield pushes to this level. And that's something, something very, very, very important. Okay, so I would say yes, it's a refinement of concepts. I saved the best for last, Rob. Warky sent a very interesting question. And he asks, would a higher grade or higher tech movement that adds perhaps 1,000 pounds, one and a half thousand pounds to the price, be an improvement or detraction of this piece? Right, that is an amazing question. It's it's the most important question and well done for holding it back till the end because, yeah, it's something that Giles and I have talked about extensively over the years. People always like to gripe about price when it comes to design first brands because they don't see the tangible value of a designer's time and genius in the end piece unless they're able to step back and appreciate it for what it actually is, which is what, of course, this show has been dedicated to. So I think we're pretty handy at that, but not everybody is. A lot of the time, people will just compare base specs on paper and rubbish pieces that retail for, say, three and a half thousand pounds, like something like a Schofield would because it has a basic ETA or Solita or Soprod caliber beating away within it. So to those that know about Schofield, about Giles, about the road that he walks and the story he's trying to tell, no, I don't think the movement would make a huge deal of difference. If you wanted to really create waves in the wider industry and maybe establish a broader sense of good feeling towards the brand for people who are spec hunters. You could argue 
an improvement on the movement side of things would be good. But let's take Waki's uh, values that he states there and let's just walk back what that actually means. So 1,000 to 1,500. Let's call it 1,400 for the sake of my mathematic ability. Generally speaking, whenever you add a cost to the manufacturing of a watch, to its creation, then you would times that by four in terms of retail cost at the end of the day. And that's because you obviously have to add your margin and then you have to add in the possibility of failure, the more congested supply chains, especially when it comes to movements, being able to buy over value of a movement to get it in time to make the piece. That can be tricky sometimes. If you want to develop any new products or you want to grow the brand through advertising, you need exponentially more the more money that you risk when you put it on the line. So that's roughly what manufacturers work with as a inflation percentage. So that would mean if we divided 1400 by four, that you would have an extra 350 euros to spend on a movement. Now, what could an extra 350 euros buy for you that would make a significant difference? Now, let's just take the case of the B5 in particular, the the star of the show of this watch is its case back. So there's no damn point in having a transparent case back or a beautiful movement inside that you'd be hiding behind it because, well, you lose out on the greatest aspects of the watch itself. If you wanted to return to something like the black lamp, which used a very expensive and proprietary material called mortar as the case material, then yeah, you could argue that improving the movement even further than that one did, and that one used a Unitas 6498, I think it was, in its construction, would be a good idea. But here with the B5, I would say there's no need to improve the movement whatsoever. Do you want to improve it on the standard beta and reveal that movement to people through a transparent case back? Yeah, okay, you could do that. But what is available on the market for that much more than the currently used Salitas or ETAs or Soprods? And the answer is not much of great interest. And so I would say the question really has to be in the realm of an increase in terms of five, six, seven thousand, and the employment of an incredible shall we say, proprietary caliber built by someone like schwarz you know, maybe a beautiful English-inspired, Schofield-designed, hand-wound, double-barreled tour de force that became the selling point of the watch. And you could put the Schofield for sale at, yeah, 10 or 11,000, and it would have this auto-luxury movement inside it, and that would be its thing. That could be possible. Right now, I think the price is very fair if you know what goes into it and if you know how little margin Giles gets from his watches, and because it's really not much in comparison to bigger brands that are able to churn out components on a big conveyor belt. I think it's fair. I think it's fine. I don't need a better movement in these watches for me because that's not what they're there for. I would, however, like to see uh, Giles dip his toe into those Auto-luxury waters in the future. So watch your space. Who knows? Maybe we could do something like that together and uh, share the load. Well done, Rob. Thank you for that. Thank you, Warky, for the amazing question. And thank you for everyone that sent in questions. And thank you for everyone listening to this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and rate us on your favorite podcast player, please. Rob, 
Well, you do the outro. I will. I will, because it has been burned into my brain. I've done it so many times now. Yes, if you'd like to get in touch with us, then please, you can contact us on Instagram, either at Rob Nudds, that's R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S, or at Alon Ben Joseph, that's A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. Or you can contact us via email, either rob at therealtime.show or alon at therealtime.show. We will be back on Thursday with another interview. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking.